exciting news, Piers. We're in the news. We're pretty chuffed and humbled to have had Marie Claire Australia recognise our work as a diversity-driven media company in my recent interview with the brilliant Grace Back. In this intimate profile, I recount my move from climbing the corporate finance ladder to building a podcast agency to what it means to be a woman of colour in media. We discuss the challenges of pivoting careers, the Pierce Project's legacy and career-shaping moments since the company's inception in 2018. I'd absolutely love if you could head to the link in this episode's description, read the feature and DM me personally on Instagram to let me know what you think. My Instagram handle is at Misha Kidnor. Now let's get into this episode. This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, Peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, Peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peers to Peers podcast. There are days when we don't feel like ourselves, so we conceal more of how we're feeling with products that don't feel like anything at all. Makeup has long been positioned as a gateway to confidence, worth, and attraction, but the pitfalls of a playful product have created an ugly world. 38% of four-year-old girls in Australia are dissatisfied with their bodies, a statistic that made our next guest Marissa Forsyth, stop. In 2012, Marissa launched Makeup Free Me, a campaign that challenged women to go makeup free and raise money for the Butterfly Foundation. Since then, Marissa's vision has evolved from a campaign to a fully functioning charity called Pretty Foundation, an organisation focused on early education and prevention of body image issues for young girls. In this episode, Marissa bears it all again to remind us that before we start, we must stop. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant Marissa Forsyth. Marissa, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited as well. Amazing. So, you know, you and I connected recently over LinkedIn, actually. And and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you've done in the body confidence and kind of women and girl empowerment space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. No worries at all. Amazing. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I uh, started the Pretty Foundation and basically it's a charity that helps empower young girls, so from two to six years old. It sounds a little crazy, but the stats here in Australia show that 38% of four-year-old girls are not happy with their bodies. So I quit my corporate career and basically started the Pretty Foundation because there was a gap in the market for early education. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. Aside from that, I do a whole bunch of other things like play golf and uh, socialise and, yeah, currently building a house. All the good and, stuff. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, yeah, yep. Love it. No, it's so interesting. And I'm, I'm so excited to dive into the Pretty Foundation today and hear more about that journey. But I guess before we do, I'd love to start with a question, which I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, sure. So my mum was an English teacher, was an English teacher. And my father worked for my uncle's business, uh, which sold sort of diamond tools, uh, sort of cutting up roads and those sorts of things. So he was sort of operations manager there. And uh, yeah, they both worked really, really hard. I was born in Singapore. So my parents were born in Singapore and Malaysia. And when they came here, they had to start fresh and find jobs. And mum had three kids under three. And yeah, so it was tough, but uh, they were very dedicated and hardworking. I think I sort of learned a lot of that from them and, you know, to put effort in and to try your best and to excel as much as you could, but also follow follow what you, you are supposed to be doing in life, which is what they taught me. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. And you're about to be a mum, I think it is. Yeah. So that, it's so cool, I think, to kind of look back and, and kind of look at where this, you know, I guess, entrepreneurial drive came from, or even more so than that, just what makes you, you now. And, um, and so I guess, you know, if we look back to Marissa, the early years, you know, what, what were you like as a child? What did you love to do? And I guess maybe what were your struggles early on? Yeah, I was a very, I guess, vibrant, uh, kid. I had like a, a few younger girls, that uh, socialised with or family members and I always was the leader of the crew and, you know, would come up with games and tell them stories and, and I loved it and, and they looked up to me as being that the older sort of sibling or the older cousin or friend and I really enjoyed that. But I guess sort of going through primary school and high school, uh, in primary school I got teased a little bit but in high school I got teased a lot throughout year eight and for me that was a huge struggle and it, it made me go back into my shell and everything I was in terms of that, that piece of confidence, you know, that confidence piece, that being a leader, being, you know, going out there and giving things a try, all just sort of, I guess, ebbed away bit by bit by bit. And I, yeah, I just wasn't who I was for most of my childhood in terms of the characteristics I sort of dis- displayed as a young child. And it was only through sort of working and being forced to speak in public and recognize that, you know, actually I do have these skills and abilities and I need to just sort of step into them and be confident in them, that that sort of was restored. And uh, anyway, I don't have, don't have any issues with the people that bullied me when I was young. I mean, I don't keep in contact with them, but, um, you know, children can be nasty. But I guess for me it was overcoming that and recognizing who I truly was as a child and who was I was supposed to be uh, that allowed me to sort of come out of that. So that for me was a significant part of my childhood and it was good that I was able to sort of recognise that, you know, the period that I was in sort of high school and even early university was not really me and coming out of that was, was really cool to step back into my potential and, and be who I really was. 
thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I think so many of us go through that tough time, either in high school or maybe it's earlier on, you know, and and I think we almost do, we're trying to figure out who we are, but at the same time, we don't even know, we really just don't even know what's happening around us and what and what's really going on. You know, for our peers out there listening who may, you know, maybe they're you know, now a university past that, you know, we're in the working world and they still feel like those childhood struggles or whatnot are holding them back. Kind of what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I think speaking to people is really important. Having a group of friends around you that can speak into your life, I think is crucial. And I had, I had that, uh, not to say that that made me come out of, you know, or suddenly gave me confidence. But I think that's a really, really important thing to have really significant people in your life that can give you the truth that you need, can challenge you, can hold you accountable, can push you forward in the areas that they can see that you are skilled at. I think that's such an important area that some people, I guess, don't have those people or to support them, but also to challenge them and to hold them accountable and to to push them in, in a direction that, you know, they ultimately not should be going, but, you know, in terms of using their, their skills and their talents and their abilities. I think the other thing is just continuing to explore. I think we we never fully understand ourselves. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in high school and, you know, took a took a stab at marketing and management. Uh, I, I was going to go down a completely different path until I had some conversations with some people in my life that were mentors and uh, and they really helped me kind of go down this direction. And I loved it. I loved marketing and still use it in my role today. So I think that's really core to have those people, mentors, peers in your life that can do that for you and and to keep exploring, exploring who you are as a person. How can we find, you know, those mentors and those people? It's tough, right? It's tough to pick a mentor. (laughs) Um, Especially if you pick someone and you're like, oh, this is not working out. Um, It's not right, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, Look, I think it's, yeah. You can approach people from a professional basis as well as, you know, your own social connections. Uh, so I, I had people who were unofficially mentors in my life and I've had people who are officially mentors in my life. And for me, I guess it's, yeah, it's really about thinking about what you need as a person and and seeing characteristics in other people that you think that could really speak into your life. Uh, so whether that be through your social networks or um, maybe it's, I mean, I grew up going to church and, and, and still do. And so for me, it was through that as well, that I was able to have mentors in my life who challenged me and, and sort of, yeah, spoke into my life and encouraged me through all, you know, the things that I've gone through. Uh, so that was helpful. Uh, but then also professionally as well, like, obviously, I have a board at the Pretty Foundation. So in, in many ways, they act in a way that, I don't know if you'd call it mentors, but they certainly hold me accountable and challenge me. But uh, you could certainly approach people from a professional basis and say, hey, look, you know, maybe it's unofficial, but I'd love you to be someone who's a, you know, that mentor sort of person in my life that can speak into my life and support me and encourage me. So great. And I just think such valuable, yeah, just such valuable advice. Amazing. So I want to dive a bit deeper into kind of that, you know, those college, I would say college, because I interview people in the US, <laughs> um, <laughs> those university days. And, you know, kind of, you said you, you know, you were at Monash Uni, you studied Bachelor of Business Management and Marketing. And you said then you you went into a career in marketing. I think you were doing that for quite a few, maybe about seven or eight years. So talk to us a little bit about kind of that decision to, to get into marketing and study that. And then what were those first early roles were like in the in the working world? Yeah. So uh I also volunteered 
whilst I was at university in marketing roles. And that I would definitely encourage people to do. It just gets you prepared for the working life. So whether you you volunteer, you actually have a part-time job. I wanted to volunteer because it was hard to get into, you know, where I wanted, wanted to get into initially, which was football and sports. And so I worked for the Hawthorne Football Club, volunteered there, and then I got a little bit of paid work there as well. And when I finished up there, the manager that I had moved on to a a charity or a not-for-profit um, movement, and uh, and she's like, why don't you come work for me whilst you look for a job, you know. And so I worked for her for a bit, did some paid work there, and then moved into just applied for various marketing roles, and, and I got a position at a flooring company, uh, an international flooring company uh, in marketing as a marketing coordinator. And within two weeks, the marketing manager quit, and I have no idea what oh. I was on. <laughs> but I went up to the managing director and I went, right, you're going to give me the role of marketing manager. I want to have a crack. And so oh, I was my a, goodness. I was a freshie out of uni. I don't know what I was doing. And he goes, okay, you can have a crack at this, but you prove yourself over the next three months. And if you prove yourself over the next three months, then you've got it. I said, okay, I will. <laughs> and there as, you said, as I said, I don't know where I got the confidence from. I don't know what I was on that day, but uh, yeah, and uh, it sort of just grew from there. And I uh, obviously did a good enough job to to continue in that position. Then I built a team there and worked there for a few years, and then I got pulled over to a another role, um, which is actually literally down the same court, for a company called Steel Chainsaws Power Tools, and uh, worked there for a year. Just yeah, I guess doing some some work for them in the marketing space as well. Uh, it was a contract, but I, I didn't last there in the sense that this is when I sort of had my aha moment in life and quit my quit my role there to start basically this whole charity pathway. So yeah, so uh, interesting roles, really great organisations, great people, loved it, still love marketing, but it was just it it was just I needed to go down a different path to end up helping people in our society. So Wow, I love it. You know, I just I love how even just back up to how you just put your hand up, you know, and you just said, I'm gonna I'm fresh out of uni, but I'm gonna do this and I can do this. You know, I guess how can we build I guess First question is, where do you think that confidence comes for you? And I think that's also then reflected in you then leaving and going, you know what, I'm just going to leave because I've got to go off and do something else and it's not right. Where do you think that confidence comes for you? And do you think it's something that can be developed? Yeah, uh, for me, I think it, it, it certainly can be developed. It's It doesn't just ne- necessarily just happen overnight, especially if you've had experiences where it's sort of stripped you away in terms of that confidence. I think it's it's as I said, having those people around you, encouraging people, encouraging you, stepping out and giving things a go, and realizing, oh, that little speech that I made wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm naturally someone who's probably very critical on myself, and so it's people around me have told me that, and it's training myself not to be critical and to actually speak positive words over myself. I think that's really important. And you know, some people do, some people don't. I have a faith and that really helps me as well get through what I need to. It gives me the confidence that I'm heading in the right direction. Uh, so that's that's an important part of my life as well. But I definitely think people around you, supporting you, helping you and, and just giving things a go when you know it's tough and then recognising it's actually not as tough as you thought. I think, you know, there's this thing where we're often our own worst enemy and we often stand in our own way. And I've done this many times in my in my life to date. And I think, you know, I, 
it I think it can be really tough to just get about get out of our own way. You know, was there a time during this period when you were in corporate and you were kind of nav- navigating this world where you felt like you were really getting in your own way and you couldn't or, or you know, you couldn't progress to maybe the level that you wanted to? I probably had the opposite situation where opportunities kept coming my way. Uh, I was really, <laughs> You're so lucky. <laughs> yeah, I was really lucky, to be honest. As I said, like things kind of, well, I mean, I worked really hard for it. So things definitely popped up. So, and and opportunities that maybe people wouldn't have necessarily seen, like, you know, their marketing manager quitting within a couple of weeks and you just putting your hand up for it is is a little bit crazy, to be honest. But I saw it as an opportunity. I went, yeah, why, you know, why the hell not? <laughs> just let's go with it and give it a crack. But um, I certainly found that as I was able to prove myself, I continued to get more and more opportunities and climb that corporate ladder. I did feel at times, and I don't want to sound like, you know, a whinger or anything like this, but the reality is this is the truth, is that women still do have less of opportunities and don't get considered as much for particular roles. I think I was pretty lucky in the organisations that I worked for that I did get that I did get these opportunities or specifically that the managers that I worked for were really great, not to say that everyone was like that, uh, but I did see how, you know, there was less chance for me being a, a woman and obviously a woman of colour as well, being having an Indian background. But, again, uh, this is nothing to, to do with, you know, my direct bosses in those organisations. They were fantastic. Uh, it, it's just, you know, particular industries. I was in flooring, then I was in power tools, you know, predominantly male-dominated industries. It can it can be a little bit tough. Well, I commend you on sticking it out and, and being just thriving, really. So I wanted to have a bit deeper into your aha moment. So you, know, you mentioned that in that second, um, you know, that second role or what, what, what not, you kind of, you know, you left after one year and talk to us a little bit about where your head was at at that time. You know, what were you thinking? Where did the discomfort come from? And then kind of what were those next couple of steps that you took once you left? Yeah, sure. So as I said, I moved from a flooring company and the HR manager from that flooring company had moved to this power tools company. And she had said, hey, there's an opportunity going here as a brand manager. You know, it's a one-year contract, it's a mat leave position do you want to come and do something different? And I went, okay, yeah. I mean, I've been, you know, at the flooring company for a few years now. I feel like I've kind of hit that point where I'm like, I'm just not learning as much as I'd like to learn. I would love the opportunity to do something different. So I went over there and I started this contract. And I think it was about three months in that I was like, you know, everything was going well. I I travelled to Bali for work. Like, you know, there's lots of opportunities. I I was getting, you know, well looked after and I just wasn't feeling it. And I was like, that's weird. I've always loved my jobs. I've always enjoyed marketing. The actual work itself is challenging and exciting and the team are great. Why am I not enjoying it? Something's not right. So I kept going into work and doing what I was doing. And uh, one time in the card, if you haven't noticed already, it can be a little bit dramatic. I was driving in and I was just sort of like, I was just desperate really. And I was sort of saying this desperate prayer. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And I'm screaming it at the top of my head. And I'm sure the cars around me are going, what is this woman on? And I literally at that point, I get this idea. Now it's, um, it's bizarre, but I get this idea to start a makeup free campaign. And I go, this is really weird. Uh, uh, asking what am I doing in my life to getting an idea to start a makeup free campaign is where, where are the steps in between? Like I've never thought about anything like this. I've, there was nothing I was thinking about in this area. I was just kind of asking, what am I doing with my life? And 
I go, okay, this is strange because I don't go out of the house without makeup. At that stage, I would always wear a full face of makeup to work. And I wasn't necessarily comfortable going out of the house without makeup on and, and my face on. So that's one thing. The second thing was, what the? This is just really such a weird, random idea. Then I put the pieces together and went, okay, well, if this is the case, then maybe I could use this for an issue that is such a significant issue in our society, which is that, you know, women and girls really struggle with their bodies, how they look like, their appearance, hate the way they look. This can turn into a whole bunch of things like eating disorders. It can tie in with anxiety and it can tie in with, you know, depression. It can even potentially lead to suicide. So there's a lot of things that can impact in a woman's life, but it also holds women and girls back. So taking out those actual health issues itself, there are so many areas that, you know, body image can hold girls back in. So their career, the confidence that they have in their career, uh, you know, in sports, relationships, a whole bunch of stuff. So I said, okay, I will look into this, into this idea, and I'll look into, you know, potentially partnering with someone and doing this campaign where women would go barefaced for a day, not that there's anything wrong with makeup, and stop and reflect on actually where they find their true value. Is it in their appearance or is it in actually who they are as a person, you know, and what they can contribute to our society? And so I kept going into work for, you know, for a little bit, for, you know, a couple of weeks, and uh, and then I just still continued to feel this feeling and I was like, all right, I need to take some time out. So I, I kind of drove away one day just to get a coffee, said to my team, look, I'm just grabbing a coffee, I'll be back, and just burst into tears. And at, not, not everyone actually knows the full story of this, but seeing you're asking, I, I thought I'd share. So burst into tears. I was like, what's going on? Like, why am I feeling this way? This is ridiculous. And at that stage, nothing wrong with crying. I very, very much approved crying. But I wasn't a big crier. My friends used to call me the ice queen. And um, I just... I didn't get it. I didn't understand what was wrong with me, why I was feeling this way. And then I basically went back into work and quit my job and left the next day. Now, I, I'd given, I allowed for there to, you know, to to work, continue to work and all that sort of stuff, but the way it eventuated, they were happy for me to sort of pack everything up and, and, and leave the next day, do a handover and get out there and fulfil my mission. So I basically, yeah, left the next day with no plan in place, no yeah, no business plan, no nothing, no contacts that I, you know, were going to be part of this. And I felt so free. I felt like, wow, this is incredible. I never would see myself doing this because I'm super organized, but I was so convicted in my heart that this is what I needed to go and organize. And then parted with a charity in the space. And uh, next year I had, I'd launched it and it, the campaign went wild, which was awesome. So that's kind of how, yeah, how it all eventuated really. Wow. I'm just... I'm just taking it all in. I'm sure all our listeners are also just, you know, taking it all in. I think it's just so fascinating how these, it's almost like these pivotal moments can just happen to us out of absolutely nowhere. And I think what I find so fascinating about your story is the fact that, as you said, like you, you always even enjoyed your, your corporate roles and your jobs. It wasn't like you had such a tough time advancing mm. and, and all that. It was always great, you know, and I think, I think if that just even shows that that it needed to be that level deeper or there wasn't that fulfillment piece perhaps. Mm. You know, you were so brave, you know, as much as you kind of were like, oh, I was just so silly and it was crazy. You're like, you know, doing that and just walking out the next day and going, I can't be here. You know, not many people would do that. I guess why do you think that was for you? Like why do you think that you had to just 
absolutely leave. And then what advice would you give to our peers out there listening? If, if maybe they're not feeling such extreme feelings as you were, but they're still feeling like where they're at with the job or with what they're doing, it's not right at a, at like a soul level or, a, you know, and a spiritual level. And they're not too sure what to do about that. Yeah. I get asked this question a lot and I, I, um, it's funny because I do some corporate speaking gigs as well and I always preface it with, ladies and gentlemen, don't go leaving your jobs because <laughs> I'm going to get in a lot of trouble by I'm your done. employer yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I guess, you know, I think for me I didn't do it this way. I felt really just this strong conviction in my heart when this idea came to me that I needed to follow it. I, it's really hard to explain but it was at that really deep level, like you're saying. It wasn't at that superficial, like, oh, this is a cool idea, let's go do it. It was at this level where it was like almost like, not that you don't have a choice, but you need to go do this. Like you need to follow this dream. But I, th- I would say for me, for majority of people that I speak to, you don't get that kind of moment necessarily. And that's okay because everyone's journey is different. But I always encourage people to explore what it is that actually uh, makes them thrive what it is that actually they have in terms of their own skills and abilities, but ultimately, you know, what? Why are they here? What? What is their purpose? What are they, you know, seeking to, you know, achieve longer term? And what makes them? I don't like to use the word happy, but what really gets them going and gets them out of bed in the mornings? And that's a really hard thing to find that that why that purpose in life. But I think there's there's a lot of books out there that you can read that help you to explore that. I mean, there are tests that you can do and things like that as well. I don't necessarily encourage a lot of that sort of stuff, but I think uh, if you can read more about how you can explore these things in yourself, I think it's really useful. I did a process recently with my sister-in-law. Well, I shouldn't say sister-in-law. She's not actually married to my brother yet. It's coming. I think it's coming. I think it's coming. No pressure at all. And so uh, I did this process uh, with her where she was trying to ex- explore her why. And basically, and I can't remember the actual book name, but she read the book and then I read the section on there, which is someone who steps in and, you know, basically asks you a bunch of questions as you tell stories about your life. And so she was telling, you know, stories about her life and, and I was asking her a bunch of questions about her life. And, yeah, just, you know, just for her to understand more about basically the why in her life and the purpose in her life and to learn more about herself. That's all really. She just wanted to learn more about herself. And it was really good because there was things that were pulled out of that that she just actually didn't realise about herself. And there were wonderful things about herself that she didn't recognise because you just, you're you and you go, oh, you know, this is just me and this is what I do. And you don't realise that you you do that maybe better than a lot of other people or uh, that you thrive on those particular particular things. So, yeah, I'd encourage people, regardless of whether you're looking to change careers or not, that you just actually find out more about who you are, what makes you get out of bed, what makes you live the life that you're living, uh, what makes you excited and passionate. And I think they're, they're the things that I think are really important. And there are some really good good books out there. I wish I could remember this this actual book name, but yeah. I love that. Start with why, if anyone, that's one I read. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I love it. So I think it's just yeah, it's just so fascinating and I think it's just so valuable to do these exercises and to explore ourselves in that way. Amazing. So I'd love to dive a bit deeper into, you know, when you dove in and you started that initial first day, that makeup free day. And and then I guess how that progressed into the pretty foundation. Yeah, that's a great question. So I 
basically took that year, so 2012, I started planning for it. So I guess I used my marketing background and, you know, I'd run events as well in the past. And so it was really about this, it was about a campaign essentially. And so I knew how to run campaigns. I knew how to do those sorts of things. So that wasn't tough for me, but it was still getting the right people on board. So running something like this and then sort of going, oh, I'm just raising funds or I'm raising awareness around this. I really wanted to ensure there was there was an impact happening. So I approached a, a national charity here in Australia who uh, focused on eating disorders and body image. And I said, hey, look, I'm wanting to run this campaign. I want to raise funds. Can we give you the funds? And so they were like, absolutely happy to chat with you about it, happy to promote it if, you, if you're doing it. And so I partnered with them and then I basically built a team around me. So I said, I go, who do I need on the team to help run this campaign? And basically spoke to as many people as possible, told them the vision, told them the story. And there were a lot of people who said, great, I'm happy to do it, put their hand up. And were convinced by the fact that there, there was such a need in this area, as well as how different this campaign was to anything that was out there. So at that stage, there weren't any makeup free campaigns. That was the first that had sort of come out. And Basically, the way I sort of talk about it, it was, in essence, a November for women. So it was, you know, guys grow moustaches for, for in November, but for us it was about not wearing makeup. And I basically built the team and asked them to to be on board and to play their part in, in whatever way that was. So whether it be I had a PR person or someone helped me with social, someone who helped develop the website. Uh, so a lot of agencies came on board pro bono. Uh, which is fantastic because, you know, you can't afford to pay, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to set up a, a website or to, you know, get a PR agency. But people were fantastic and, and gave of their time and uh, talents, which was amazing. So, yeah, so essentially that's what I did. I built a team. We launched it the next year. And this the PR person who actually came onto our board uh, later on with Pretty Foundation, she's amazing, Tabitha Matthew, she actually got us so much media coverage it was on tv magazines radio newspapers it was it was amazing she's she's incredible and she got us uh yeah a lot of coverage and it it sort of just built from there and so we did it that year we ran it again the following year and then I had to ask myself honestly are we actually turning the dial are we seeing change in this area with regards to body image and females and the reality is I couldn't say yes I couldn't say that that was actually happening. So I said, right, let's put the campaign on hold. Let's take a step back. Let's look at the Australian market. So we had a look at, uh, well, we looked at all the research and, and spoke to experts in the field, and we looked at what was happening in Australia. And what we found was there are actually already programs for women with regards to body image, programs for teenage girls, some programs in primary school, but literally nothing in early education. And that's where the foundations for body image lay. And so for me, I went, okay, well, if, that, if the foundations are laid in early childhood, if that's where you build resilience, why do we wait until girls become teenagers and it's very ingrained at that stage? I, I understand that it surfaces in a big way in the, in, in the teenage space, but, but we should build resilience. We should start this early. And as I shared the stats before, 38% of four-year-olds are not happy with their bodies, right? So four-year-old girls. And so I went, I think it's time that we actually start a charity focused on girls, focused on early education. And that's how essentially the Pretty Foundation concept came about. And we went through the process of starting the charity. So I pulled together a team, some of which were already on the Makeup Free Me team, and said, 
this is this is what I think we should do when they bought into it and and this is how it eventuated essentially it's just amazing you know you hear of I feel so, feel like so many try, try to go out there and, and start things and often, you know, they might get a couple of months in or even maybe a year in and then it just kind of starts to disappear. You know, I guess for you, I just find it fascinating that you were able to keep pushing through and I'm sure there would have been challenges in those early days. Talk to us a little bit about what those challenges were and how you just managed to stay in the game and overcome it and really thrive. Yeah, there were a lot of challenges. So one of which is human resource. So you can get people on board but you're still small and you don't have a lot of you don't have time to do everything you don't have the skills and expertise to do everything and you certainly don't have the finances to do everything so I was living off my savings and also consulting at the same time because you know you need to earn money at the same time so I was doing a few days a week consulting uh, you know and then also trying to run this and set this up and so for me, it was tough on those three in those three areas, and I guess it was just for me going. Well, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I just got to keep pushing forward. I got to keep having conversations. One thing that I encourage people to do is not be afraid to have conversations with people about your idea and and push it forward. I think often people are scared that the idea is going to be stolen, or and yeah, you you've got to be careful to an extent, I guess. But I found that the more people I spoke to, the more doors opened up. So we had, uh, I had someone come on board who had started a digital agency and their digital agency then did pro bono work for us. That connection then led me to a major funder that we now have on board called the Liptember Foundation. And they give us, you know, significant amount of funds to run our programs. And if it weren't for that initial connection, he wouldn't have led me into that direction and I wouldn't have met the amazing founder, Luke Morris, at, at you know, Liptember. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's speaking to people, it's, you know, getting them to buy into your vision. It's being really clear about what that vision is. I think that's super important. If you're kind of fluffy about it, how can people sort of go, I'm going to join that journey and I know where I'm heading. And so I think that's really important for me. Having a really good plan that sits underneath it is really important. And then just involving the right people. So people who have the right skill sets as well as are just, just as passionate about you know, the issue that you are trying to solve. And so, yeah, so that's what I did. And just asking for help, just ask for help. People tend to kind of go, well, I don't know if I can ask for that or just ask and the worst that can happen is to say no to you. So, but I ha- I've had a lot of yeses along the way, which is fantastic. And I've had a lot of, you know, whether it be big law firms that have come on board, you know, we have Clayton Utes that came on board right from the start, When you know, one of the top law firms here in Australia. They help us set up the charity. I wouldn't have had a clue how to set up a charity legally. Um, And they've been continuing to do pro bono work for us. Russell Kennedy, you know, uh, another law firm who've come on board about a year ago, fantastic, also do work for us as well. So it's about asking the question, selling that vision in, and if they believe in it and can see progress, you know, they stick stick on board, which is awesome. So awesome. And I think just also I think just such kudos to you for for pushing that vision forward. I think, you know, as I said before, it is really tough. You know, whether you're starting a a not-for-profit or you're starting a company, you know, both are not, you know, not an easy feat. And I think people might look at yourself and go, wow, you know, she's just done so much and she must just be special. You know, I guess what do you think um, are maybe the top three traits that an entrepreneur or someone who wants to do something a little bit different need to have to get 
firstly, to get through the early days and secondly, to really build the type of organisation that will thrive? Ooh, that's a tough question. Uh, I did a, um, I'll share some of the, the skills or strengths that I have and and, and maybe they, they feed into what I'm doing. So I did this, I read this book called Now Go Discover Your Strengths and it really is about, you know, working out where your strengths lie. So it's not necessarily about like a like a skill that you can just learn over time. It's actually about what you have innately in you. So, you know, from, you know, I guess you could say not from birth, but certainly, you know, from when you're growing up, you, you've got this ability to do something and, and, and you can work on it and, and get even better, but it's actually just inside of you. And so the things that came out for me were I was a visionary and I never saw that in myself until someone told me. I was like, really? I cannot see that at all. Oh, yeah, it actually makes sense. I did start makeup for a minute. I did start, you know, so I I just never, I never saw that to be honest. But a a visionary was one, um, I think it was called maximizer. So something that can be low performing and turn it into something that's high performing. Communicator. So that was also really, really big. So communication. There was a few other, few other bits and pieces that I just can't remember off the top of my head now, but they, I think they're really important to be able to have a really strong vision and be able to kind of go well this is this is where we're heading and and be able to have that ability to go this is this is ultimately where we want to get to and this is how we can get there so that sort of vision that mission is important that the how to get there as well having the ability to know how to get there is actually really important now some people tend to have that that kind of really high level thinking and some people have that sort of attention to detail and it's funny because I feel like I actually have I'm able to do both. And I've worked in the events industry for a bit as well. And so I've got this ability to go into a whole little level of detail, which can be a negative in, in some ways as well, because you can get caught up in that rather than sitting up sitting up in this higher level where you can go, you know, that strategic level where you can then allow allow your team to then go into the detail and do what they need to do. So it's just, it's, it's allowing yourself to kind of go, no, 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 I've got a team for, for, for being able to run that and operationally do that. Uh, but I think it's it's important to, if you don't have that, have the people around you to do that. But I think as a someone who's going to start something, I, I definitely think you need to have that vision and have that understanding of how you're actually going to get there and, and, and be strategic. So I think that's super important uh, to look at. And I think for me, communication is key as well. As much as you can have, you know, entrepreneurs who maybe don't communicate well, I actually personally think it's really, really important. And to to be able to manage and lead a team is super, super important. It's something that I'm continuing to learn because I, I, I'm far from perfect. I love that. They're all just such valuable things. Amazing. So, oh my goodness, Marissa, you and I could talk for days. I'm so into this, Um, but I'm also just mindful of your time as well. I guess, you know, as we start to wrap up, I'd love to understand a bit more about, you know, where Pretty Foundation is now. You know, obviously you guys have had so many amazing wins over the last, I think it's almost four years. You know, you've, you've done incredible initiatives. And I think your latest book just launched as this as, as this goes live and it's The Charlie Tales, book three. But tell us about, yeah, where you're at now and, and the new book. Yeah, so we do have some really cool initiatives. And I, I have to admit the Charlie's Tales book series is my favourite initiative. So we call it edutainment. So it's education through entertainment. And so it's basically this little girl who goes on an adventure and helps people recognise their true value and who they are, not what they look like. And this little girl isn't your traditional looking girl in the sense that what gets portrayed often through, you know, animated series for children, like TV or or books, it's not your typical 
princess being saved by a prince. She's she doesn't have blonde hair, blue eyes. Nothing wrong with that, but it's just good to see variety. And she's not a stick figure either. She's healthy, but she's not like got tiny little stick legs or anything like that. So she goes on this adventure and um, each book has a different angle and it fits under our content pillars of body image. So our four key things that we focus on that are really important that girls, you know, need to recognize that their bodies are all unique. So about celebrating diversity and, and, and loving that fact that we all look different because it'd be boring if we all look the same. The other angle is that our bodies are absolutely incredible. They're amazing. They're a vehicle for life. You know, they're not an ornament to be stared at. Uh, So that's the second one. The third one is that, you know, that whole piece around people call it inner beauty. I prefer to say, you know, your skills, your abilities, your character, that, that piece is so important to teach that it's far more important than our appearance. And the last piece is actually about, you know, self-belief. And, and believing in your skills, believing in your abilities, giving things a go, having a crack. I think often girls and women can go, oh, I can't do this. I don't have that, you know, ability. And and men and boys, you see, you know, you see the research around that with their careers and, you know, boys, guys uh, applying for roles when they don't necessarily have all the boxes sort of checked, but girls going, well, I can't apply for that. Uh, so, you know, giving things a go, having a crack, uh, believing in yourself. Uh, they're the four sort of key messages. And in each of the books, at least one of the messages come out through storytelling. And so we've launched three books already and oh, the fourth book fourth is book. just being launched. Yeah. Right. And uh, we've partnered with Athletics Australia, Gymnastics Australia and Basketball Australia. And it really focuses on the fact that our bodies are all unique. So that the angle we've taken with this one is, is body diversity and celebrating our differences. And it's super exciting because this girl goes on adventure, Charlie goes on adventure, and she's able to meet these sprites. And um, they're all trying to head to this heart flower that blooms every four years. And uh, they have to use their unique talents and skills to help each other on the journey. And that's what they learn is that they're all different. And, and that's fantastic. We have parents and educators kits uh, and resources that we create and they're question and answers developed by body image experts who are fantastic, who help us really flesh out this concept, flesh out the main messages with parents and educators to take their children through. And the exciting thing about all of this is that with the first three books, we saw that 55% of parents seen within just a month of reading the books to their child that's seen a positive body body image impact on their child. Wow. And for me, that's phenomenal. Wow. You know, within a month, being able to see either behavioural change, attitudinal change, any of that sort of stuff, is it shows me that we're, we're in the right space. You're in a space where children are really malleable at that stage uh, still and, um, you know, it takes a lot longer if you're an adult to change your behaviours and your attitudes. So that's really encouraging for us. So, yeah, we're, we're excited for this fourth book just being launched and, we're excited to see how it goes and how much impact it, it can make. I love that. Oh, yes. I just, it, it actually just gets me so excited hearing about the impact that you're making. And I can't even imagine how excited you must be. But, you know, as an outsider looking in, it, it's just so cool. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Marissa, for the amazing work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us, and particularly us, you know, younger women that, you know, we can go out there and, and, and reach for the stars and do what we want to do and actually, you know, achieve what we want to achieve. And it's not impossible. So for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, being able to chat. Amazing. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? For me, it's that you feel like you're thriving 
you feel as as much as there's there are going to be highs and lows, there's going to be challenges, you know inside yourself that you are where you are supposed to be. And so that feeling of thriving, that feeling of living out your purpose, that feeling of living out your why is really hard to, it's hard to explain, but when you're in it, you know it, you feel it, you love it, you don't want to be anywhere else. And I think that for me is 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 the best way to explain that. Oh, I love it. Marissa, ladies and gentlemen, oh, we've had a blast. Where can people learn more about you and the Pretty Foundation? You can just head to prettyfoundation.org uh, to purchase books, to find out more, to get free resources, and yeah, to find a little bit more about myself as well. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thanks so much again, Marissa. We really appreciate you. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>